Yo, excuse my language, but I'm coming in kind of hot in this episode. I'm kind of pissed. So if you follow me on Instagram or social media, you know that this whole week I've been preparing, preparing to talk about Hollywood and movies and TV shows in Hollywood with people in wheelchairs. So when I was doing this, the whole thought was at the end of it, I would go watch the bad examples. Uh, I would go rewatch Me Before You because I hated that fucking movie. And then I figured I would go see The Upside in theater. And I did. And I knew I was going to dislike it. But I didn't know which way, which way they were going to go. Like, so immediately, as soon as I saw the, uh, the trailer, I was irritated because if you don't know, it's, it's a remake of an absolutely amazing French film called Untouchables. And they just wanted to remake it and make an American version. And personally, I I didn't see anything wrong with that. Really, because I, I wanted something to show people. Like, that's my favorite movie when people are like, how do people with disabilities want to be, want to be treated? Or how do they, if you're a caregiver, like when I'm hiring nurses, how do I want them to treat me? And that is the exact example. That's the perfect example I can show you. But... Every fucking time I go to reference this movie to anybody uh, or like recommend it to anybody, they their initial thought is, oh, it has subtitles. Uh, I can't watch movies with subtitles. And if you're one of these people, go fuck yourself. Go like that is so damn irritating. I I can't take it. It's really you can't watch a movie with subtitles. You non multitasking ass. You lazy ass. Oh, it's not that difficult. Like, I'm a very slow reader. People always want to give me that bullshit. I don't read at all. And you don't need to. If you, anybody who knows the English language, like, I know for me, when I, when I watch movies with subtitles, I get, like, majority of the beginning each line. And I might miss the last word. But, like any of us, you don't need that last word or... And and the more you do it, you you start to get comfortable with it. And you start to figure figure out how you uh, read, and then you might you might cut out the first word, and that way you can read the whole sentence or whatever, and you still get the gist of it. So I don't want to hear any of that bullshit about can't watch a movie with subtitles. That's so irritating. Like that's the reason they made this bullshit of a movie. This horseshit of a remake of a movie just so people could re- go see it with English instead of French. It's n- stupid. And so immediately when I saw the trailer, all right, so I'm watching it. I see it's Kevin Hart and Brian Cranston. And I'm just like, why? 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 It's that makes no sense to me. Because 
my initial thought is, oh, they're going to turn into a goddamn Kevin Hart movie with nothing but jokes, nothing but laughs. There's not going to be any serious moments. So, and then I started to really think, I was like, all right, they could go one of two ways. They could go super jokey, which I thought, okay, Brian Cranston, I liked him in Malcolm in the Middle. I didn't really watch the show. My brother did, a lot of older people did, and they loved it. And the moments I've seen from it, he's really funny in that. And I've seen him be funny naturally in interviews and stuff, so I know he can be funny. So I was like, all right, this might be just a buddy comedy back and forth. But then I started to think about it more when I thought, oh, no, it's a remake. And, oh, Brian Cranston, he hasn't done funny in years. So this, they might go serious. And if they're going serious, this is about to be a shit show. And unfortunately, when I went and saw it, they went with the latter. They went serious and... All right, let me explain to you why I knew that was going to be just horrible for for these two actors. All right, so to explain it, first I have to tell you how I feel about Kevin Hart as a comedian. And it really is when you're a comedian, you're a writer. That's what they do. They write jokes. They they write. That's they write material. That's what they do. They're writers. So Kevin Hart I think he is a one-trick pony, but that one trick is absolutely fucking amazing. Like, he is... If you were watching the Olympics, and you're watching the equestrian in the Olympics, and he, you're, you're just sitting there watching, and all of a sudden, there's some horse that every time they go over a jump, they do a barrel roll. Literally, like jump and then flip in a circle and land on their feet some fucking hell everybody would lose their fucking mind at first everybody would be like oh my god this horse is fucking amazing but then after a while you realize the horse can only jump in barrel rolls and he does it over every single fucking jump and that's what he does but it's a one trick pony and For the Olympics, that would be awful. Your time would be terrible. But people would travel around the world to see that horse do that one trick. And that's how I feel about Kevin Hart in comedy. I I think he is funny at moments. He has this one trick that he does. And he does it very well. And everybody loves him for it. But... After a while, you start to see the same trick over and over. You get tired of it. And as a writer, so for him and his stand-up, I don't really like his stand-ups. I, I, especially recently. They're, they're not funny, and it's like him trying to write more of the same jokes. It, it's just not. So, so right from the get-go, I, I don't like him as a writer. I, I don't really like him as a comedian in that way but I do think Kevin Hart is very very funny situational funny like his YouTube channel absolutely hilarious because those videos he's just going back and forth bantering back and forth with people he's very quick-minded and it's very funny kind of like 
And I think a lot of these people fall in that. They're so situationally funny that everybody wants them to be writing funny, being able to make a stand-up that's funny, like Amy Schumer. Like, Amy Schumer's show is a hundred times more funnier than her stand-ups. Why? Because she's able to just be her, be herself, and naturally just funny. And I feel the same way about Kevin Hart. And that was why I thought initially, okay, maybe him and Brian Cranston, them bantering back and forth, that could actually be funny. And that could actually be a good movie. But no. They took this one trick pony, brought him into this movie, and said, okay, we want you to learn this entirely new skill called acting. And we want you to perform it well, along with Brian Cranston, who I don't think is that good of an actor. Truly, if I'm being honest. I, I, I don't think he's as good an actor as he's being portrayed to be. Like, even when you, like, don't come at me with that bullshit about Breaking Bad. Breaking Bad, he created a very good character in the beginning. He developed, not even developed, he started out performing this character very well. And after that, because anybody on a show, when you listen to writers and directors on shows, they tell you, they don't, they write these things in the beginning, but they don't know who's going to stand out in the show and who is going to become relevant as the show goes forward. They make it, and then whoever stands out, they start writing more parts or writing storylines around that person. And if you watch Breaking Bad, if you're one of the people who love Breaking Bad, watch Breaking Bad, tell me, who in that show had the best performance? It's the two people who got stuff after it, who got stuff after it because of that. It was Jesse with bitch. It was uh, Better Call Saul. He got a whole show based off that one part in that show because of what he brought to the character. Personally, I don't think Brian Cranston is able to bring anything to his characters over time. So that that was where, once again, I thought this was a long shot. Because if you saw the original Untouchables, you know the whole purpose of the movie is to show the journey that these two friends make. And it's like being able to show the different levels of having this injury and having an awesome caregiver and discovering this guy and being with this guy forever and then him leaving and then all this all the emotions that come with with that and so there's there's movement throughout the movie and I personally didn't think Brian Cranston could do that and here's the wheelchair side of it the disability side of it so when you're in a wheelchair it feels like you're easily dismissed. You're constantly being talked over. You're constantly being looked at or looked past. And it's very disconnected. One thing my dad always laughs at when we go to ball games or something, when the t-shirt cannon comes out, never shot your way or something like that. Kiss cam on the, on the jumbotron. 
never spotted on you. So like when you're in a wheelchair, for whatever reason, disabilities make people uncomfortable. So it's like you get people in public who stare at you, unaware that they're staring at you. You get the people that are like invisibly staring at you where they give you the side eye and they know they're doing it. So they, their whole attempt is to try not to stare, try not to stare, stare straight ahead so that you're not staring at them. When you're doing that, subsequently you're staring at me because you're staring at me through your peripherals to make sure that you're not staring at me. (laughs) So that type of deal is impossible in my opinion i feel like brian cranston never gets that he you take an actor who is always likable always someone fond thought fondly of and then you give him this disability character like a lot of people want to say they didn't like him because he didn't have a disability and i don't agree with that because i think that just makes it very hard to cast everything and what'll end up happening if if you only cast people with disabilities for disability roles what's going to end up happening is hollywood and media are going to find one or two people with disabilities that can kind of fit every role and they're going to be in everything and you're you're only going to see two people ever in a wheelchair that I don't like that. I don't think that's a good look. So I'm okay with there being people without disabilities playing people with disabilities as long as they're willing to put in the research and try to understand how that specific disability affects people and how they function on day-to-day life. That way they can actually portray them well. And like if you know what type of muscular dystrophy someone has. You might know how they sit in their chair, how their body should look, because um, you might be able to do something with that. Or especially with spinal cord injuries, you should know that, like, um, I did like how in the beginning of the movie, um, he kind of fell over to the side when the dude was driving real fast. Although I've been in a very fast car, when you're in a very fast car, the seats... They're made to like swallow you, so you don't really slide. But whatever, that that would take some serious research. <laughs> um. So then, that was the get go. That was when I saw the trailer alone. I was like, oh my god, these two. Got I don't know what which way they're gonna go with this, but I have a feeling it's gonna be bad. And it was. I went and saw it, and I was just. The first half, it felt like I was watching two people try to find their character. And one, Kevin Hart, who was trying to figure out how to act. Like, the role was just terrible. It's about a guy who had to work in struggles, had to came from the streets doing dirty shit, and had to go from there to being somewhat well off. Because he worked for this billionaire and much more well off as a person and his heart and all this kind of stuff. 
And for me, from that perspective, I thought it was terrible for Kevin Hart because in the beginning, he's he's coming from the streets. And Kevin Hart, even though he came from the streets, he never was that person. He He used to talk about that, how he was never a street person. And because of that, he did comedy. So it's like you take this person and like he looked like a fish out of water in the whole first half of the movie. And then also it seemed like he was trying so hard to separate himself from that comedian. It seemed like he knew everybody was going to look at that, look at him that way. And then. So he probably watched Untouchables and thought, okay, so here's the funny moments that everybody remembers. And I can't just regurgitate the exact same joke when we're in the same scene. So it was like, it seemed like he had no idea which way to go in those times. Times when they completely remade the scene, there would be some moments he tried to go the acting way. And go hard and just go no joke at all, which made it really awkward at moments. It's like, damn, we have this moment where we're looking at you and you're just stone faced and just, I don't know, curmudgeon and just uh, grumpy. And then other moments, you could tell he tried to write a joke that was funnier than what the other guy said. And as you know, I don't. I don't think he's funny as a writer. I think he's much funnier as a person. So in those moments when he tried to write a joke funnier, it wasn't funny and then just didn't land and you were sitting there awkwardly the whole time. And something I thought was really interesting was how the theater I was in, it seemed like everybody knew I was in there, and every time he would do one of these dumbass jokes, they would, I would see some people turn their head towards me or whatever. I was just like, yeah, you guys are missing it. You you wish you would have saw Untouchables if you could read. Uh, so that just irritated. It irritated the shit out of me. And then another thing, the title itself is just obnoxious. The upside, like the upside. Okay, here's here's the movie showing the upside of having a disability. The the upside of having a wheelchair. Like, really, go fuck yourself. Like it just it everything about it irritated the shit out of me. Like, and then the real. Crazy part was that the second half, like towards the end of it, it actually got good because Kevin Hart can play a guy who's well off. He can play a guy that's doing well for himself. Like, that's not a problem. It's the other acting. Brian Cranston can play a guy who, like, he was able to connect to that ending character for whatever reason. It's like, he chose that part of the movie to be able to connect to. And it's like, okay, now this is what everybody's going to gonna remember. They're not going to remember all these shitty moments leading 
leading up to this. They're they're just gonna remember the ending being good. So I was just like, oh, this movie sucks because it's the whole movie, not just the end. The end was all right. I I, I thought it was okay. They they did all right, but it just there was nothing in there. Like when you watch the whole movie and you think back, all right, who performed? this movie well and the only person was Nicole Kidman and it seemed like she had nothing to go off of between Kevin Hart and Brian Cranston they were both just awkward as shit and another thing that really really bothered me was because obviously they're not gonna make the exact same movie they're gonna change some stuff but why would you completely change the demeanor of the guy in the wheelchair. He comes in and he's all depressed about his situation. He's much more of a downer, a lesser outlook on life. And that was the complete opposite in the French version. In that version, he was dominant. He was demanding. The only thing that could have been said about him was that he was probably too critical and he needed to loosen up some. And that's what his caregiver was able to bring with some looseness. Bring his personality out. Before that, it was he was very business oriented and all that type of stuff. But now, instead of making him seem strong and powerful, you're making him seem weak and just sad you know, about everything. Wanting, ready to die and like depressed and I'm just like why why would you take that route and not even that because of that like the the introduction of the two men they switched it because in the original it was much more of a human discovery of this guy who didn't want the job and he said no try it anyway I, I try out two weeks I bet you won't make it and come away with uh, discovering a guy with untapped potential rather than feeling in this one with Kevin Hart it was like a black male into um, him offering him the job in the first place like just horrible and it's like when you depict that also in America being racially conscious it's like you're making this black man like blackmail him into giving him a job offer and it was just shitty so it's like congratulations you did make a Hollywood depiction of what the American version of this masterpiece of a film would look like so yeah I, I just hate everything of it and and when you look at Untouchables Untouchables had this just um, natural um, virtual circle of success of success like they they started small they, well I won't say that because they had a nine and a half million euro budget and it became an amazing amazing movie but opening weekend at least in the US they they made a hundred thousand dollars. But now they've grossed over four hundred and thirty million. So it's 
the only way that happens is if, all right, we're starting small. We're putting this movie out. It's such an amazing movie that it gets spread. Everybody, Everybody's talking about it. Hearsay. Spread it to here. Spread it to there. A worldwide phenomenon. And I understand these movies are rare. Like, you're only going to get so many Dark Knights. Like, I understand that. Dark Knight, there hasn't been a superhero movie like Dark Knight since it. So, I get that. That only comes often. Uh, It doesn't come often. But to completely undermine it and, like, just go straight for tickets with Kevin Hart and Bryan Cranston because... They're popular names, popular faces. You see them and you're like, oh, I want to go see that. And to go for the tickets rather than trying to make a great movie or at least something to encaption the the greatness of the original just irritates the shit out of me. Like, why even do it? Why even do it? Why even make that movie? It was completely unnecessary. And all of you out there who haven't seen The Upside, don't. Go see Intouchables. Go on Amazon or Vudu or whatever service you use to buy movies and go go, and go rent Intouchables because it's amazing. It's an absolutely amazing story. A true story about a guy and his caregiver and how... They were able to change each other's lives being together. And so much of that movie, when I watched it, my first initial thought was it made me think about my brother. Me and my brother were together every day, all day, for a year and a half. My freshman year of college, we were together. He was helping me to live on campus and because he had gone through some hardships and he moved back home with the idea that he would be able to take care of me full time because I had no nurses, no day nurses. I only had one night nurse and my dad was doing the other nights. So the idea was my brother would come help me during the day and we'd actually try living on campus for the first time. So my brother was with me from like 9 a.m. to 11 p.m. every day. And was also, because we were trying it for the first time, he was commuting. Um, Me, like, we were packing up all my stuff in the dorm. Um, Thursday night, coming home for the weekend after my, after my classes. And then we'd pack up Sunday night or... Monday morning to go back out to campus and we were doing that every week and he was doing all of it and that reminded me of this Untouchables like their their relationship because my brother is that strong personality that protective personality and that's how it was in the movie my favorite scene like if you follow me on Instagram you'll see you would have seen my favorite scene Obviously, I can't play it here because it's in French, but my favorite scene in that movie, because it reminds me of my brother so much, is where he uh, he has to take him somewhere for the first time. So he's going out to his parking lot. 
He has all these expensive ass cars and then he's trying to get into his van and he says, I'm not putting you in this. I'm not loading you in the back like a horse. (laughs) And so he looks at his fucking, I don't even know what kind of car it was. I I just, I, I don't know. It was like an Aston Martin, like some fancy ass Bugatti something. And he was like, why not this? And he's like, well, we got to be pragmatic. He's like, pragmatic? Fuck that. And he picks him up and puts him in the car. And next, next thing you see is them revving the engine of this hot rod. And so, but then right after that, they go to leave. And then there's a guy outside parked right out front to where it's too skinny for them to get out. And the guy's telling him, oh, that's the neighbor. He... He thinks that's his spot, so he he always parks there no matter how many times I tell him. And immediately the guy, the caregiver, hops out the car and runs over there. And he's like, well, not anymore. (laughs) So he goes over there, bangs on the car, opens his door, takes his phone out of his ear, throws it, grabs the guy, yanks him out the car, and shoves his face into the handicap sign at the door saying, this is not your spot. And it's like, you might think that's that's rough and too hard. But for someone who can't defend themselves who with a disability and can't protect themselves, can't defend themselves, that just feels great sometimes. Sometimes that's necessary. And that, that was my brother. <laughs> In my life early on, I knew that when me and him were on campus, he was going to be very protective of me, but was also going to get me to try things I never tried before. And so that scene just encapsulated all of that. And it was amazing. And I loved it. Um, but then to see the upside, Kevin Hart is not that person. He's not going to be able to pull that off. And so I just, I hate it. All right. The second one I wanted to bitch about was fucking me before you because that piece of shit uh, bothered the shit out of me as well because it just depicted people with disabilities in a bad way. It was very different than the upside. Like, it, there weren't bad actors. It was actually a lot of really good actors. They had fucking Daenerys Targaryen from Game of Thrones or... Most people know her as Khaleesi. Uh, like, the lady with the dragons. She's in it. Beautiful as, as always. But she played a completely different character. She did it really well. Super cute. Super sweet. And the guy in the chair, he actually played it well. I, I didn't like how he sat in the chair like, like a stick figure most times. But he did well. He was a good actor for what? For what the role was. And what the role was. Was a fucking. Just pretentious. Pompous. Ungrateful. Uh, like unaware. Unappreciative. Just irritating. Irritatingly selfish. Just twat. I guess. It's a British movie. So you gotta give it a British insult. <laughs> Um, he was, he was terrible. He was a bad guy. And the whole, the whole premise 
the whole thing was that his parents and him had a pact that he would wait six more months. He would try to live out six more months. And if he was still sad in his situation and depressed, he would go to Switzerland and get like, what's that called? Euthanized? Euthanasia? When they just kill you? Yeah. He would get put down. That's like a dog. Just put down. And I, I was just irritated the whole time. Because I'm like, really, dude? Okay. I get it. I, I totally get it. Some people, when this happens to them, shit, I talked about it on my last podcast. I still feel like I'm not myself. Because when I truly think about who I am, I think about before my accident. And the longer I'm like this, the more disconnected I am. So I get it. I get you feeling that way. But the to the point... Where you're just hell-bent on killing yourself no matter how amazing your life is. Like, that's my kind of thing with, with both of these movies. I don't understand why he has to be a billionaire in both in both of these situations. Like, it just plays to this thought that all people with disabilities are well-off. And it's not the case at all. Like, some people are in really situ- shitty situations. But still, they don't want to kill themselves. So you have a guy who's just a, a billionaire, has everything made for him. They're, they're like a famous family, like a royal family in England. At, to the point where they live in a castle. He, they renovated the horse stables for him to live in, which was crazy and super nice. Has a little... Like a house, apartment in there. Everything's made for him. He, he can afford to do anything. He can afford to go anywhere. And he, and he doesn't. Just sits in a room. And just... I don't know. I thought it was bullshit. But then... Alright, so I get that. I get how you can be sad. Gotcha. But the whole premise of the movie is... Alright, we have this girl who we hired to try to cheer you up. And... Hopefully in these six months, you won't kill yourself. So then she finds out and her whole deal is like, all right, let's, let's go. Let's get out of here. Let's, let's go have fun. And they're doing all this awesome stuff. They end up falling in love. Uh, and that was my thing too. They, this is really what irritated me with this movie was the fact that they said he couldn't have sex. Like he. He kept saying, no, I can't have sex with my situation. And I'll just tell you, that's some bullshit. You broke your neck, not your dick. It still works. That, that's just an impulse. That's just reactions. That shit still works. <laughs> Trust me. <laughs> Don't worry, guys. I, this is one of the most common questions I have. And I'm going to talk about this more. Um, Next week, I have a friend of mine who is also in a chair and she's gonna uh we'll both talk about it she'll give the female perspective I'll, I'll give the male perspective it might be a little raunchy but i figured that'll be the best way to answer the sex questions everybody because that was the thing too to prepare for this movie because it's based on a book and so i listened to this podcast where they give a breakdown of the entire 
synopsis in the book. Um, and I listened to it. And then I went and watched the movie. And it just blows my mind how many people just don't know what happens with people with spinal cord injuries. Like, people, all types of stuff. In the podcast, they were, and the guy was joking, like, making Stephen Hawking noises, like, talking like a computer. And it's like, yeah, I mean, it's hard to get mad at someone if they just don't know. It's really just lack of knowledge. You don't know. Anybody with a spinal cord injury, you don't know what happens. So I, I guess I get it. But it's, it just blows my mind how people don't know. So I figure out, we'll explain it next week, how shit like that goes down. So that was my beef. They said he couldn't have sex. But like, he falls in love with this amazing girl and all this shit. They travel the world. She shows him amazing vacations and all this stuff. And yeah, at the end of the six months, he's like, nope. Still gonna do it. Still wanna kill myself. Still don't feel like myself. And at that point, I'm like, fuck you. Like, really? Do it. Do it. You obviously, nothing. nothing's gonna make you happy. You're, you're just fucking oblivious of what's happening around you. you. You're just stuck on killing yourself. And at that point, I, I just had to think, yo, this has nothing to do with your injury. Nothing. You're a depressed person, which I get. That's another tough topic, but don't give me that shit. Like, it's because of your injury that you're going to kill yourself. No, you're going to kill yourself because you want to kill yourself. Obviously, because before his accident, he was this, like, crazy outdoorsy person. And, like, wind gliding and jumping off mountains into oceans and all this different stuff. And it's like, all right, why were you doing all that? Because you were probably a depressed person back then, too. So you're trying to do things to make you feel or whatever. Bullshit. So I just I just didn't like the whole narrative around the fact that he's going to kill himself because he doesn't feel like himself. That's, that has nothing to do with your injury at all. You, If you wouldn't have died from that car accident, you, you probably would have died from something else. So, yeah, that's how I felt. And then it was like, it was bullshit. The fact that he just got everything he ever wanted, like, over and over again. Even on his deathbed in the book, it said how he was sitting there about to kill himself. And then he's calling for the girl he falls in love with. The girl who was there to take care of him and fell in love with her. It's fucking Daenerys Targaryen. Fucking Stormborn. Uh, Khaleesi, mother of dragons, unburnt, breaker of chains, fucking whatever, however many names they want to give her on Game of Thrones. <laughs> Next one's going to be family chasing cousin fucker, but I want them to add that. that that's the next step. <laughs> but, uh, and if you don't watch Game of Thrones, you really need to get on it. Like, I don't know what the hell you're doing with your life. It's pretty amazing. But but she's like this amazing girl. You fall in love with her. And then you're just like, nope, still want to kill myself. But because she leaves him, she gets pissed at him that he's still going to do it and leaves. And then on his deathbed in the book, it said he calls for her. Like, please come. And the bitch comes. Like, I would be like, no, you want me to come? You come here. 
leave that shit and stay alive. But no, she goes running, running to him and actually lays next to him while he is dying, while he's doing it. And just all that shit just irritated the shit out of me. Like, really? that That's what you're going to do? And also, along with all the sex stuff, there was just other, like, falsalities about spinal cord injury. Like, he had all these medical medical issues when he would drink. And he'd be drinking, and his caregiver would be like, Oh, yeah, you're all hot. You can't do that. Your body, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, whatever. You can definitely drink. And then also, like, him being up in his chair a lot. Like, them being gone to, like, horse races or whatever. They they went to, like, a dance. Him and her. And then he gets... He gets back like, dude, you're, you're not doing so well. And I'm like, why? I, I don't, I don't get it. Although I will say, in the whole movie, I didn't, didn't really see him do any pressure reliefs. Which, if you don't know what that is, this is exactly what it sounds like. Pressure relief. Uh, for me, I do it probably like every two, three hours, and I tilt all the way back in my chair. Sit back there for a couple minutes, and then I tilt back up. And that just gets pressure off my butt and onto my back. That's it. He didn't do that, and maybe, and I get that, maybe that was something um, that could mess with his, like, temperature. Because I know if I go really long without doing that, I'll be all uncomfortable and spastic. So I got that. Uh, And his whole thing was he was... And dealing with pneumonia a lot, which I know that happens and actually is kind of real because unfortunately I've lost friends who died from pneumonia in my situation, especially on a ventilator or without a ventilator. It's it's definitely a risk, but I don't know. I, I didn't think his health problems were to the point where he would just think he couldn't live like he it wasn't like he was dying he was still living like i have days where i have all types of health issues like the reason this podcast is coming out days late is because when i go hard at some point cuz i don't get very much sleep at night and i have some point where my body just goes nope we're done we're not doing anything and i'll just sleep a couple days and i'll just be out of it i'll just be kind of clear delirious mentally and stuff and so but none of that like no health complication i've ever had has just wanted me to be like oh i can't take this i'm i'm over it i'm done it just i don't know i haven't that just hasn't happened to me i'm sure it has to some people but to actually to actually go through with it is a whole different thing i remember hearing or reading about a story in a news article where there was this girl with muscular dystrophy where she was getting ready for prom and she told her family after prom that she was going to kill herself that she was she wanted them to take disconnect her from her ventilator and my whole thing is like the fact that you want to wait till after prom that means you have something you wanted to live for 
which means there's other things that you could want to live for. And the same thing I felt about this guy. Like he did so at the in his deathbed, he's crying and calling out for the girl he fell in love with. So obviously you had something you wanted, something you missed. So there was obviously something you wanted to live for, which means there could be more that you wanted to live for. You just have to experience life more and all this stuff. So I just, uh, it just bothered the shit out of me. And just, yeah. So I hated that one as well. But the part that really rubs me the wrong way with both of these movies is why in Hollywood, why are these two movies the movies that were the most highly promoted, the most funded? They were the ones that they wanted to put out to the public because there's better examples. There's there's great movies, great TV shows out there with people in wheelchairs, people, people with disabilities, but no, those ones don't get promoted. Those ones don't get the marketing dollars and be because of whatever bullshit reason. You don't like that actor. You don't think he'll sell to the tickets. Oh, you don't like the story because you think that'll make people feel uncomfortable and then they won't want to watch it. Make that decision for them. Like, let them make that decision. Let the audience decide what they want or don't want. Like, don't just say, not put out not promote certain movies just because it might make you feel uncomfortable. And uh, in a minute, I want to show you some clips of these examples. If you follow me on Instagram, you've probably seen some of these clips, but I'm going to play them and just talk about why I love them so much and why they're such good scenes to me. All right, so this, this first movie clip is from a movie called Fundamentals of Caring. The clip I posted this week uh, was from the beginning of it. When he got hired, it has a guy uh, is a caregiver to take care of a kid with Duchesne muscular dystrophy. And it's got great actors. Paul Rudd, the kid who plays the guy in the chair is amazing. I've seen him in other shows and he's really good. And I thought, and I thought this was a great example of how this can come about. And once again, it was actually based on a true story. It was a, a writer who took some time uh, away from his writing life and ended up doing this caregiving and while he was there him and the kid developed an amazing relationship and but the kid was just ruthless just terrible jokes all the time and all this stuff but he was really funny and it it ended up bringing them closer and everything but this clip I'm about to play is actually from a moment where the jokes go too far and I feel like this scene is what was missing from me before you. You knew about my kid and you said all that father bullshit to me? Huh? 
You think because you're in a wheelchair that gives you the right to say and do whatever you want? You ever consider that maybe I'm just a prick with or without the wheelchair? Fuck you. And fuck your wheelchair. And fuck your waffles and your stupid fucking map with all the places that you're never ever gonna fucking see. Fuck those letters that you'll never reply to because you're such a self-absorbed piece of shit. Is that the best you can do? That's it? I thought you were a writer. Fuck this, fuck that. That's really lame. I think you need a second draft. I don't buy any of your bullshit. You can make jokes all you want, but you are wasting your life by sitting in this house and watching TV. Yeah, and what the fuck are you doing? It's been three years, man. Should you really be wiping my ass for $9 an hour? Sounds like you and Trevor had quite a night last night. Yeah, sorry about that. I specifically warned you about the nature of your relationship, didn't I? Yeah, you did, but... What makes you think I would ever let you take my son on a road trip? And now, if I don't let him go see the world's deepest pit or biggest cow or whatever, he's going to be upset. But of course, I can't actually let him go. Look, whatever, when Ben burst into my room and said we should go on a trip, it just seemed like it would be fun. You know, so forget it. It's not happening. And I resent being put in this position. Honestly, what were you thinking? I was thinking it would be good for him. Good for him? Do you have any idea what traveling with someone like Trevor entails? You lose his defensive court, then what? Or CPAP breaks in the middle of nowhere. That'd be good for him? He's never been more than an hour from his house. Maybe it's time to change that. So that scene, I thought was awesome. It, it hits you on so many different, so many different levels. Like, initially, they're going at each other's throat. And Paul Red's character is bashing him and just laying into him about how he treats him, how he acts, how he talks to everyone, how he treats everybody. And immediately after that, Paul Rudd walks into Trevor and his mom having a conversation about getting out of the house and traveling, just like he says. And instead of uh, throwing him, throwing Trevor under the bus about how he's been treating him, he immediately says, no, that's be that, that'll that be good for him. And so this movie just hits you on all these different levels. And, like, it's amazing how they act. And that's one of the things, like, in it, Trevor's mom and Trevor is actually really afraid to leave the house, afraid to travel, because he doesn't know if that's possible. He has all these machines, has all this equipment, and he doesn't know how that's gonna work and Paul Reds is like nah I'll make it work and I actually love that so much because I know that's one of my biggest fears is traveling I have a fear of that I know I traveled in high school to like four hours away and 
different directions. Like I went, I went to band camp and I went to Indianapolis for nationals, but that was short distance. That was when I was younger, much smaller. It was easier for people to move me around. Now I'm probably 40, 50 pounds heavier than I was back then. Uh, so I know it'll be more difficult. So right now I, I have this same fear. And like, I know I haven't told her. Like lately, my friend, one of my friends named Kelly, she's been uh, coming over. And she'll pick me up. My nurse will go home. And we'll just go out and party. Go to Royal Oak. Go to uh, some city. Or go to a bar and like drink. Party. Dance. Have fun. And then she'll bring me back here and we're we're good. <laughs> and I haven't told her. But I, I know that is so amazing to me. And I don't think she knows how much that just feels good for me and how much I could thank her. And it it really is special. Like, not, not everyone has that. Like, it's been almost nine, nine years since my accident. And she's my first friend that is willing to do that. And it's awesome. I love it. I don't think she knows how I how I feel about that, but it's it's absolutely amazing. I I can't express to her how thankful I am for that because it just lets me get away. It lets me feel like I can get away from this life, this life of tubes and machines and equipment, and just go experience something else. Even just for one night, so yeah, that that it's been amazing, and this movie just shows that shows them traveling cross country and shows the relationship between him and his caregiver, and it's like it's it's real. It it's a real thing. Um, and I know he has a really crazy sense of humor. I I connect personally to that as well. Like. For me, I don't, I don't go to sad. I don't, I don't go to a pity party for me. That that's not what I want, and I don't want anybody being uh, showing pity towards me. That's not what I want. Like the way he makes jokes and how like crude he is is hilarious to me because I, I loved that early on. Like when I was in the hospital. I told everybody because I was I was in so much pain from like the neck brace and all these tubes. I had two tubes going down down my nose and all this stuff. And every time the nurses came in, they had to turn me and move me. And my neck was just killing. I was screaming in pain, yet nobody could hear me because I was on a ventilator. And I, I couldn't talk. I could make no noise. But I was screaming and crying in pain, but nobody could hear me. So that that time sucked. And the one thing I had, they had a tiny little TV for me. And people would like bring in uh, different DVDs and like shows for me to watch. I told them all I want is South Park and Family Guy. And I just watched it over and over just on loop. And I would try to sleep through 
all the pain. So I'd sleep, I'd wake up, and South Park could be on, and just stuff to make me laugh. And like that's where I, that's what I want. That that's what gets me through things is humor, not pity party, sad. Oh poor me. That no, I don't like that. And I I hear the same thing from many people with spinal cord injuries. That's not what they want. Like most people are like me. They they prefer to go towards humor and whatever makes them laugh. Like smiling and laughter just just gets you through it. Helps you get stronger. Helps you to keep keep living life. So that was that was one example that I really liked. This next one is gonna be definitely a sadder movie showing the sadder side, but it does it in a way that like motivates you and shows you that things do get better. But it also shows the real side of early on. So this is from a movie called Stronger. It it takes place in Boston after the Boston bombing. Jake Gyllenhaal plays the guy who uh, it was closest to the bomb and actually spotted and recognized the the bomber and was able to uh, turn him in and like I don't know what the word is, but yeah. And he he was able to spot the bomber, and it shows him afterwards being a double double amputee, and how something like that doesn't just affect you, but also affects your family and the people around you. And that was something I I had to learn early on as well. It was something really close to me, and it was also where I was able to connect to it was the fact that he because in his area it's the Boston bombing and he was like the face of it so he couldn't go anywhere without being recognized and that was kind of how I felt uh at a much smaller scale here in my little hometown where I felt like I couldn't go anywhere without someone being like oh it's true and just being recognized all the time it, it made you feel like you could do no wrong and it was frustrating so this clip this scene was him at a bar and getting in a bar fight well, my give me a lot of fried rice and some uh, chicken yeah yeah Yeah, it was like a false flag. It was like it didn't happen. It was all like bullshit. Fucking so Obama could send us to war with Iran. We're not gonna tell anybody. What? You you got paid to do the bombing. 
Fucking Obama did this whole thing so we go to a war with Iran, bro. What the fuck are you talking about? He's got a point. Dude, he's got a point. Hey, you know what? We're already at war with Iran, you fucking douchebag. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. Fucking douchebag. What the fuck are you fuck talking you. about? Yeah, I'm down. This guy's fucking phony baloney. Phony baloney. Fuck you! Hey, come on. Fuck me, huh? Say, take it easy. You're fucking pizza. Pizza. I like pizza. Fuck you, man. You're fucking nuts, buddy. Fuck you. Come on, somebody fucking hit me. Fucking hit me, huh? So that clip, he's screaming, someone fucking hit me because he starts in this argument with these two guys at the bar and then immediately his brothers come over and the the brothers and the two guys start getting into it and start they start going hard. They fight, but nobody does anything to him. Nobody even looks at him and he's just screaming, someone fucking hit me like why am i immune from this why we're we're in this argument because of me and why am i so un untouchable that i get i can't be punched i can't be fought i can't feel like a human i can't feel like i'm one of you like i i don't deserve any punishment for things i say or do and He's just screaming this, and I totally understand it. And that's actually one of the jokes I would tell people. I'm like, yo, I want to get in a fight just because I haven't gotten in a fight in years. And I'm really curious to see who, if anybody would hit me. Like, I want to go to a bar and hit on someone's girl or go to a bar and just be an ass just to see what people what people would do. And I don't think they would do anything. Uh, Yeah. Just so you know, if you are going to fight someone in a wheelchair, come from behind. <laughs> no. Although, if you were going to fight someone in a wheelchair, like, it'd have to be like any other fight. Don't you think? Like, if two guys fight and one guy punches the guy and the other guy in the nuts or something, everybody's like, oh, sucker punch. Or if you sucker punch someone, like... From behind, everybody's going to be like, yeah, that was a shit move. So, what what would fighting fair be for fighting someone in a wheelchair? I wonder. Maybe, uh, I know it. I know what you have to do. So, so if you're gonna, if you're gonna fight someone in a wheelchair, you gotta, you gotta peep them out. You gotta figure out where their brakes are. On their chairs so they can't move. Otherwise, you might be in trouble. Because some people in wheelchairs, you got to realize they're they're pushing with their arms. So that's their arms are just as strong as their legs. Best be careful because they, they might be quick. <laughs> if you're going to fight someone in a chair, got to spot their brakes. You got to rush up on them. Push down one of their brakes so they can't move. And then jump in their lap so you can't move. And fight them, rock them, sock them, robot style. <laughs> that's that. That's fighting fair wheelchair style. <laughs> and jokes aside, though, this movie, this movie was amazing. Like it just showed all aspects 
of what being in a chair is like and how you can evolve and into being this asshole and like you have to understand what it's like and you have to evolve into being more understanding and being more accepting of other people who are taking care of you, which is really hard. And so when I was watching this, it it makes me cry every time because it really is just a tough, tough story. And I know one of his fears in the movie was actually one of mine as well. He was, He's afraid to have kids because he's like, what am I going to do? How, how do I play with them and all that? How do I chase after a kid and all this stuff? And I was actually talking to one of my nurses about it the other night. I'm like, damn, like, I, I don't know if I would want kids because, I mean, how do I do all that type of stuff? And she just freaked out. She was like, you can do all that shit. You can do a bunch of stuff. And I'm like, yeah, I know. <laughs> so who knows? Maybe one day. But these two movies just show you how many great examples there are out there about people in chairs. And that was my thing. So people want to say Brian Cranston's a great actor and stuff. And being in the upside. And I'm like, eh, he won't be able to outperform his name or his face. You know what I mean? When I think about Brian Cranston, he's very popular. He's got a popular face and name. And it's like, will he be able to outperform what people see him as? And I don't think so. Whereas in Stronger, Jake Gyllenhaal always outperforms his name. He has a huge name, but he's always able to outperform it. Same as Paul Rudd in Fundamentals Fundamentals of Caring. He's able to outperform his name. That's like 30 minutes in, you forget that it's famous Jake Gyllenhaal famous Paul Rudd and now you're just in the experience so that's that's why I say it doesn't necessarily have to be someone with a disability because I think that pigeonholes a lot of um, acting positions I don't think people realize how difficult acting is and not only that now when people are looking for a role like there's roles that might not even get written written because they feel like they won't be able to find someone that fits that character. So, I don't know. That's how I feel about it. Um, so this next exam- example I wanted to show is this show called Speechless. You've probably seen bits of it or commercials for it. It's a show on ABC, but it's it's just like any other show family show, family sitcom, like Modern Family or The Middle or all that, all that stuff. It hits you just like those do. They're genuinely funny, but this one actually has a guy who has uh, cerebral palsy to play the main character, which is awesome. I think if it's possible, if you're able to fill the role that way, then absolutely do it. That should be almost like in the NFL, like when they're hiring head coaches, because of the lack of uh, inclusion and diversity, they they have a rule now where if you're hiring a, a new head coach, 
you have to interview something like two coaches who are minorities. That way, you at least give it a shot. And you have to give it a real shot, a real chance. So, I feel like it should be the same thing for movies and acting. It You should try to fill the role with someone who has that condition first. But if not, then reach out. And this show does an extremely, extremely good job for being inclusive and having people with disabilities on it. And one of my favorite ones is a guy called uh, Zach Anner, who has a YouTube channel and stuff. And he's genuinely really funny. And he writes on the show. He actually shows up in the show. Um... So yeah, I thought that was really cool. Um, but here's the clip. He's here. He's here. More, come on, everybody stand. Oh God, he can't stand. The ovation is insensitive. Everybody down. Sorry, we're just excited. We haven't had a student before who is who has. who is taller sitting down than any of us are standing up. We're done with the clapping. Your classmates have something they want to share with you. Zachary? Zachary's cousin is deaf, so he gets it. Huh? Why? You don't know me. But we don't have to. You're an inspiration. So what do you say, Mr. President? He says, eat a bag of He's flattered and he'll think about it. So that's the funny part of the show. It's called Speechless because he can't talk. And if you know, cerebral palsy comes in many, many different forms. And actually the kid, when you uh, listen to him in interviews, he really does have trouble talking. And so in the show, he has what's called his voice. He has an aide with him all the time or whoever to read what he's saying. And so he comes into this class in high school for the first time and just everybody prays him just screaming, yay, go JJ. And it's like, just because you have a disability does not inherently make you a inspiration. Like that's, not what you want to be called an inspiration for just because you want to live life like that's what everybody does it's, there's nothing special about that what's special about me is who I am and what I what I do uh, off of that not just that so I really enjoy the show it makes me happy to see like there's actual jokes but and to actually have jokes about people with disabilities making making fun of him is good and just because he has a disability doesn't mean you can't make fun of him like why not everybody wants to be able to laugh at their their own situation and make sure that they still feel like a human still feel connected to humanity to the point that people can talk shit about you 
or whatever. So, yeah, that show really, really does that for me. And there's a lot of good scenes, a lot of good episodes. So the next next scene I wanted to show is actually from Game of Thrones. Uh, this scene is actually a kind of odd one. It's it's a little different than all these other ones because it's like a small part in a big show. But it actually has like some depth to it. And if you know the show, you know Tyrion, the dwarf, has a lot of just really significant scenes in his table. He's able to do a lot of things in a really short amount of time. So I thought I'd play this one and kind of talk about it. Hold on. Hold on. Help Bran down the hall. Hold on. must say I received a slightly warmer welcome on my last visit. Any man of the Night's Watch is welcome at Winterfell. Any man of the Night's Watch, but not I, eh, boy? I'm not your boy, Lannister. I'm Lord of Winterfell while my father is away. And you might learn a Lord's courtesy. So it's true. Hello, Bran. Do you remember anything about what happened? He has no memory of that day. Curious. Why are you here? Would your charming companion be so kind as to kneel? My neck is beginning to hurt. Kneel, Hodor. Do you like to ride, Bran? Yes. Well, I mean, I did like to. The boy has lost the use of his legs. What of it? With the right horse and saddle, even a cripple can ride. I'm not a cripple. Then I'm not a dwarf. My father will rejoice to hear it. I have a gift for you. Give that to your saddler. He'll provide the rest. You must shape the horse to the rider. Start with a yearling and teach it to respond to the reins and to the boy's voice. Will I really be able to ride? You will. On horseback, you'll be as tall as any of them. Is this some kind of trick? Why do you want to help him? I have a tender spot in my heart for cripples, bastards, and broken things. You've done my brother a kindness. The hospitality of Winterfell is yours. Spare me your false courtesies, Lord Stark. There's a brothel outside your walls. There I'll find a bed, and both of us can sleep easier. So this, this had so many good, like, moments. And the one, whenever I would watch, uh, the moment that stuck out for me was when, when he calls him crippled, and then the boy goes, I'm not crippled, and he goes... Well, then I'm not a dwarf. Uh, and that just, that stuck out to me because it's like, yeah, there's no reason to shy away from the words that are used to describe you. That's just because you have this title, that's, that might be what you are, but that's not who you are. And he's able to deliver that message in such a quick moment, like being able to make you feel stronger and knowing it's more about who who you decide to be and you can do things that you don't think you can and all this and he just delivers it really well and the, the other part is how he says i have a 
tender spot in my heart for cripples, bastards, and broken things. All of these people who are looked at as cast outs or disregarded or shunned by society. These are all my people, and I feel like I'm in that. Like, I really do feel that because, like I said earlier, in a lot of ways, you are that person. Like, when you go to a restaurant and the waitress talks literally over you to ask someone else you're with what you want, it's stuff like that that just makes you feel like some sort of other like you're not a part of society or humanity. And so this scene I thought I thought was really cool to help give a kid who just had a spinal cord injury and can't walk, can't feel his legs, and to help empower him to want to still be himself and, and go on to do great things. And like, I don't know, I like that. I like that scene a lot. And then, last but not least, I'd like to play this scene. Just another tiny, tiny little moment from this comedy movie where a guy is talking to a guy he knew from high school. And he happens to be in a wheelchair now. And just absolutely hilarious. It just cracks me up. And the first time I saw it, it cracked me up because I had never seen anybody just make jokes about their situation like that and it encouraged me to make more jokes about my situation hey franklin down here han solo ah, fuck carlos what happened here? 67 times 365 you're in a wheelchair answer uh 24,455 what's up uh, i've been really lazy no nah, i'm just kidding i got hit by a drunk driver right after graduation but don't cry for me argentina it's not so bad i get better parking tons of pussy I mean, I have stronger opinions about hills now, but whatever. So what have you been doing? Building jetpacks? Uh, no, I work at Goldman Sachs. No, you don't. No way you work there. No, I do. I uh, work in Asian takeovers. That's funny, because you know where I work? Goldman fucking Sachs. You don't work there. You work at Goldman Sachs? You bet your legs I do. Think I'm gonna let this shit hold me back? You don't need to walk to speculate currencies. I said you don't need to walk to speculate currencies! I'm doing what I want. I'm following my dream. Eat it. I thought you wanted to play baseball. Fuck you, Franklin. Uh, look, do you know Tori Frederick? Yeah, I know her. Well, if you see her, could you show her this? And tell her I work at Goldman Sachs? Wow, that's pathetic, dude. Probably not gonna work either. We don't have an LA office. Everybody knows that who has half a sack, spelled with a K. Well, just, you know, don't rat me out. Yeah, I'll think about it if I'm not getting laid. When I'm getting laid, I don't think about much else. Anyway, kind of getting bummed out talking to you. What do you do, anyway? You went to MIT. I work at Suncoast Video. Wow. Congratulations. Mom and Dad must be psyched. I'm gonna get out of here. Check this out. Moonwalk. Could you guys move? I'm trying to fucking party here. Yeah, so this scene totally cracked me up. It just made me laugh. And like, once again, it doesn't have to be someone with a disability because the guy, the guy in the chair is fucking... Dimitri Martin, like, one of the funniest stand-up comedians I know. He is so witty and, like, talk about writing jokes. He writes some of the greatest jokes, and it was so funny. So to have just a small moment like this, I thought it was 
really funny. And not only that, the other guy was the main character and he was actually the unsuccessful one, was actually the guy that could technically be looked down on, pun intended. And he just, I thought it was a good moment to have have a strong character who happened to be in a wheelchair. So, yeah, I thought that was good. But all this stuff just makes me mad at the upside and me before you because it just makes me look at it and is like, why are these the two movies that were most looked at that are promoted the most by Hollywood and everything when there's all these other good examples, there's all these other inspiring movies and motivational movies or heart-wrenching or all this different stuff to show all the different levels of having a disability or being in a wheelchair. And it's like, why is Hollywood so fucking afraid to go out there, take that leap? They're so stuck on selling tickets that they're afraid to actually put a good movie out there with a good story. They think, oh, society society won't be able to handle this. That That's too deep. We don't want to we don't want to scare people away from seeing the movie. And it's like try let the audience decide. Let that not be what scares you away from making a good ass movie and to tell an actual good story. Cuz like me before you, I get it. It was a based on a book. And here's my other beef. Like all the bullshit that was in me before you. Could y'all not google some shit like some of the shit they made up, it was easy to, like, not be in there. The people, the editors of this damn book, y'all didn't want to fact check some shit. Y'all couldn't Google nothing. Nothing. Y'all just was like, all right, sounds about right. Let's throw that shit in, in there. It makes the story more interesting. Let's just throw that shit in there. Like, nah, go fuck yourself. Like, oh, it just irritated the shit out of me. And that was why... I wanted to make this like to show that there are good examples out there and that Hollywood are a bunch of scared ass pussies, cowards, afraid to actually take a leap and make something worthwhile, worth seeing that's actually factual and can still touch people's heart and just, I don't know, I I hated those. I hated the upside. I hated me before you. I think they're horseshit. If you want to see all the clips and everything, go ahead and go to my Instagram and you can actually watch all the clips, especially the clip of Untouchables. That was the last one I posted because that one really shows you like Untouchables, I think is an amazing movie and it shows you how the upside was just garbage. All right. So here for the end. I told you guys I would read all the five-star reviews. So this, there's one new one this week. This five-star review says, your sister should co-host. Can I start a petition? Sorry, can I start a petition that Desiree regularly co-hosts your podcast? And the answer is definitely no, even though that was posted by Desiree. Absolutely not going to happen. 
But as as I've been noticing with all these, I I never get to everything I want to get to. And there was tons of things me and Desiree Gain didn't get to talk about. So she'll probably definitely be back on. And I think from now on, I'm going to talk until we're done talking. And if I have to split it up into two podcasts over the week, because everybody tells me they don't want extra long podcasts. So I'll split it up and then give you guys two in one week to listen to. Um, please go ahead and follow me on Instagram, Twitter, or other social medias at Drew Claiborne. Um, go to the drewcrew.org to read my blog and learn about our nonprofit. And if you're feeling generous, please go ahead and hit the donate link at the top and help us to keep encouraging others with catastrophic injuries and different difficult situations and keep showing them that there's a way to have a quality life even though you're in a tougher situation than you were or than many other people but everybody has a story Everybody has something to tell everybody. And it's like this story with a catastrophic injury is just a little bit different. Uh, please go ahead and subscribe and share the podcast. And that way I can have more listeners. Uh, I apologize about this week that this podcast is coming out so late. I was kind of out of it. Physically, mentally, just wasn't feeling good. And I promise next week it'll come out on time. Next week podcast will be with one of my dear friends, Jesse. Jesse Strockham. She, I think that's how her last name is pronounced. She's a really cool person who had a spinal cord injury four years ago. And we're going to talk about some crazy shit. I'm I'm laying it all out there. We're gonna we're gonna talk about dating and shit with a spinal cord and she'll she has lots of stories about her creeps on Instagram. <laughs> so stay tuned. Thanks.